I do want to greet those of you who are here with us today for the first time. My name is Jay Duncan. I have the great privilege of serving this house in the leadership capacity. And today I get the great privilege of, of speaking into the house. And uh, I tell you, I'm excited. I am a little nervous in a good way. I, I sense a real fear of the Lord on what it is that I have to share today and what it is that the Lord wants to impart. Uh, into the house on a corporate level, what he wants to impart into our lives as individuals, as those of us who are married, who have children, who work in various fields of, of this city. So we are sitting in the first weekend here, second weekend of, of February. And for those of you who are with us today for the first time, or maybe the second time, I wanna give you just a quick review of what the Lord has been doing here in the house over the past four or five weeks. It's, it's very important to understand the greater meta-narrative or the greater story of what God is communicating and what God is doing. I, don't, I believe at times that the Lord will give us standalone messages, but I also believe that he'll insert those standalone messages into a greater context, into a greater purpose of what he's trying to communicate, and more importantly, where he's trying to take us. God's into advancement. God is into advancement. He's into moving us somewhere. He's into building something, something that will last and something that will stand. And so as we communicate what we believe to be the word of the Lord for the corporate assignment at hand, that corporate assignment is going to affect not only the city, but I believe that corporate assignment will affect the nations and beyond. And so as we began the year, we, we had a trusted sister who's in the house, Becca Greenwood, who came and delivered what we just call a prophetic word of the Lord for 2014. I encourage you to go to Antioch.is, and you can go back and listen to any of these messages and really keep track of what the Lord is doing. And I have found in my own life, as I look backwards, it's easier for me to connect the dots on what the Lord is doing and what the Lord is saying. It's very helpful to do that. Uh, I'm not gonna go into all the depths of what she talked about, many, many things that she said. One of the things about this year, she said is this is a year of seeing. This is a year where I believe the Lord wants to teach us and train us on how to see in a different capacity, in a different level, in a different way. Seeing is so important, seeing in the spirit, seeing in the natural. To the degree that we can see, we can move. To the degree that we can see, we can walk with him. The next week, we began our fasting series. We do a 21-day annual fast here. This is our fourth year of doing that annual fast. And the targets that the Lord gave us to fast into, uh, hello, John and Sarah Hutton, and welcome Matthias Hutton to Antioch Church. We love you, little man. Yay. Think you can sneak in here with the baby in your hand and we not see? How's he doing? Awesome. Good. Amen. Amen. In our 21-day fast, the Lord gave us three targets. Very simply, out of Acts chapter 13, verse 2, out of his presence, that's target number one. So this is going to be a year, and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to set your faith focus on these things. This has the potential, I believe, to be a year where you have some new encounters with God. New encounters. 
I look back on my journey and there are very important encounters that I had with God that marked my life. They changed the course of the direction of my life. They shaped me. They shaped my soul. They shaped my spirit in a certain way. And I'm releasing my faith that this year will be a year for those kinds of encounters, new kinds of encounters that I will have with God, that we as a corporate body will have with God, that you individually will have with God. Out of his presence, something very, very important happens, and that is that he speaks. It was while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke, Acts 13, 2, set apart unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This will be a year, if you don't journal, if you don't have a journal, I wanna encourage you, I wanna charge you very graciously today, buy a journal or start working with your iPad or whatever technology you use. But it's so important to capture what it is that God says to you to capture those assignments, to capture those directives. In fact, one of the habits that I have is either at the end of the year or when I finish a journal, whatever comes first, I go back to the beginning and I read that journal through and I'll find that many times there were marching orders that God gave me that I hadn't fulfilled yet. And I'll take out my highlighter and I'll, I will highlight every marching order or every directive so that I can go back and show myself faithful to the things that God told me to do. And why should he continue giving us new orders if we don't exercise a measure of the fear of the Lord or a measure of seriousness or a measure of humility or a measure of exactness and obedience in fulfilling the assignments that he's given to us? He never speaks to us just so that we can enjoy the fact that he speaks to us and we can tell people we have assignments. Assignments are for completing. And out of his voice, then we get our assignments. We get our marching orders. Our preaching team did a great job mapping out those points, helping us to set a focus of faith for our fast in 2014. And then last year, or last year, last week, uh, Apostle Dennis, our apostolic overseer, came and spoke a very powerful message, both on Saturday evening and on Sunday morning. And to sum all that up, very simply, the nature of the mission always determines the level of the training. And it was so good for him to inject that into the house because it reminded me that we are not just an oikos. We function relationally. And when I say oikos, we function relationally as a family of believers, We function relationally out of an authentic covenant love that can only be produced by God. We cannot will up a genuine love and care for one another. We operate relationally out of a genuine love, a love that humbles itself, a love that submits, a love that repents, a love that says, I screwed up, I was wrong, a love that says, you screwed up, I forgive you, a love that says, I'm gonna go the distance with you. (laughs) That's love. It's the only way this thing will work. No other motivation besides the love of God and the commanding orders of our King. No other motivation will help us accomplish the task at hand. And that very simply is, we have the incredible paramount task as sons and daughters of God to actually change uh, the, the course of nations. We have the task of, of helping move entire nations into their, what I'm gonna call prophetic destiny. That's a, that's a big spiritual word that means that God has a vision for nations, not just individuals. And we actually 
are commissioned to partner with him to help nations fulfill the very reason why God set those nations on the earth and put them in place. Now that may seem uh, overwhelming, but it should be because it shows us the magnitude and the scope and the nature of the task at hand. You were not created to just make it day by day. You may be in a season right now where it's difficult. You may be in a season right now where you can't think about the big picture. That's fine. But I want to remind you that you were put on the earth to actually help disciple the prophetic destiny of entire nation groups. You belong to something way bigger than you could ever imagine. You belong to something way bigger than most of us in the church world have been telling you that you belong to. That sets the context for what we're gonna talk about here in the next four weeks. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that one of our targets for this year that I'm praying into, planning into, laying out strategic thought into, mobilizing the people into, getting all the players in place, and that strategic objective is to see every one of us activated in who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do, our unique place and assignment in the kingdom. But I'm gonna push pause before I step into that. I'll get into that in four or five weeks from now. There were some things that came my direction from some of our prophetic watchmen team that let me know that there needs to be a measure of instruction, a measure of, I believe, even impartation, a measure of activation as it relates to what I'm gonna call the watchman spirit or the watchman anointing. And so with that being said, let me begin today on a series that we're gonna call Tending Your Garden. And if you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to the book of Genesis chapter two, verse 15. Again, let me connect the dots here. Our assignment as a body is to awaken, equip, and to send people for the purpose of bringing transformation, for the purpose of bringing God's kingdom. Where God's kingdom comes, things change. And so the bullseye for us is are things changing? Are things looking less like the spirit of the world? Are they looking less like us and are they looking more like him? Are, are, they, are they functioning less from the spirit and the mindset and the wisdom of what we would call the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the devil? And are they beginning to operate with a greater measure of the wisdom and the understanding and the ways and the will of God? Those are our targets. Those are our tangible measurements. Are we doing things more like God and less like our enemy? Genesis chapter two, verse 15. The context here for those of you who are new to the scriptures these are the beginning chapters of our story, the greater meta narrative, the greater story of God and his kingdom coming into the earth. God creates everything that we see and many things that we don't see in six days. And at the pinnacle or the apex of his creation, he creates mankind in his image with capacity. He created us with incredible divine and creative capacity. See, I have capacity. He created you with power. He created you with godlike ability. He created you with a blessing. He put something of himself, something of his nature and his image in you and on you to empower you to succeed in the earth. This isn't just pep rally self-help talk. They're, they're getting all their stuff from truth. Okay, they're spinning it, but the truth is you were created in the very image of God. You were given an incredible assignment and that assignment wasn't just to make it, that assignment was to make earth look like heaven. 
that those are your marching orders to make every arena of this earth reflect the glory, the wisdom, and the beauty of God. Go ahead and clap your hands to the king. It's a great assignment. It's amazing. We want our governments to look like the government of heaven. We want our art to reflect the beauty of our king. He is the most incredible artist. If you look around, if you've ever looked around, I mean, just driving over hills and catching certain glimpses of the peak with the snow on it, and you go, man, no, nobody can match that. They just can't match that, all right? Our finance, our marriage, all of this is to bring glory to the wisdom and to the beauty and the majesty of God. Everything that we do is an opportunity to shout unto God, look at who our God is. He, look at his wisdom. Look at who he is. This is very important here in Genesis chapter two because we are coming upon the first assignment that God gives humanity. We're gonna pick this up in verse 15. I encourage you, if you're not familiar with the story, read chapter one and chapter two in your own time. But in verse 15, God takes the man, the first man, at this time, the only man, and this, I don't have time to go into this, but I need to insert this here. And he gives him a job. So for all of you who thought that work is a part of the curse, wrong. Work is a holy calling. You may think that your job is a part of the curse, <laughs> but work in and of itself, our assignment to be caretakers and cultivators, our assignment to take whatever that comes our way and make it better, our assignment to release the creativity of God inside of us to solve problems, our assignment to take whatever comes our way and grow through it and dominate it and overcome it and enlarge ourselves so that we can go from another measure of responsibility to another measure of responsibility. That is the plan and the design of God based out of his wisdom. Work is eternal. Eternal will work forever. You will work forever. I will work forever. And we're learning here in this temporal place and space called earth how to be better workers there in the place of eternity. So look right here in 2.15. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the beasts. Um, verse 19, I might need some glasses here, my Lord. The Lord God took the man, verse 15, and put him in the garden of Eden to do two things, very important, to work it, say work it, say work that thing, and take care of it. Okay, two very different concepts. I'm not gonna focus on the work it part. Maybe we'll do another series called Work That Thing and we'll just talk for weeks about, about the holy calling of work. Come on, don't shake your head, Melissa. You know you love that. Uh, we're gonna talk here for the next few weeks about how to take care of it. That word in the Hebrew is a very important word. It's a word shamar, and it very simply means to guard. So in the NIV, I really don't like the way the NIV renders this. It's not just take care of it. The, the, the intonation, the nuance of this word is, I want you to stand like a sentinel. I want you to stand like a soldier and protect this house. You ever seen those Under Armour commercials, protect this house? Maybe not. <laughs> that the, essentially what God was saying is, I want you to make sure the ground is fertile. I want you to make sure you're sowing good seed. I want you to make sure everything is growing, everything's in order. But I also want you to know that there is an enemy that is at hand and you must protect the field that I'm assigning you to. 
It means to have charge of. It means to observe. It means to keep watch. Say, keep watch. It means to ward off. It means to protect. It means to restrain and preserve. Let me just say those words very quickly. Some of you are taking notes. Guard, observe, have charge of, to protect and to watch. We're gonna talk in the next few weeks about what it means to be a watchman, a watch woman, a watch person. And as I was chewing on this from a very general standpoint for your notes, you can write this definition down. To watch very simply means to give specific attention to for a specific purpose. Let's make, let's make this broad enough that we can insert this into every arena of our lives. And I'm gonna show you that you're watchmen. I'm gonna show you that every day that you get up and live, that you're watching in some capacity. You may not have called it that, you may not have thought of it like that, but you're watching. And I'm gonna show you that. And now what I'm gonna do is I wanna, at the end of this, translate that into a more concentrated, more focused, more vigilant, more spiritual element of watching in every arena of your life for the orders of the Lord and for the protection of the assignment that he's given to you. Somebody say amen to that. To watch means to give special attention to. That is attention in the natural, and that is also attention in the spirit. It's attention in the natural. The other day I was, just yesterday I was, uh, Kenya and I were running in this parking lot out in front of Gold's Gym. We were going to a coffee shop, and uh, he was, as, as we were running along, kind of racing, he was on my right-hand side. The cars were on my left, and there were cars coming this way, and I said, son, watch out and come over here to my left-hand side so that I'm between you and danger. You guys are watching every day. It means to watch in the natural. When you go into a new country, one of the things that they trained us as missionaries in is they would, they would have us do these exercises where we would take our journals out and they would position us in the middle of a city. And uh, I remember when I went to Thailand about 12 years ago, one of the things our contacts did was he gave us some money, he put us on a tuk-tuk and he said, go down and spend three hours, don't say a word to anybody. And I want you to watch and listen and pay attention to everything that's going on around you and document every new sense that comes your way. That's watching in the natural. You ladies, when you're walking by yourselves, keep your head on the swivel. Lori, don't ever get into a taxi again by yourself. <laughs> pay attention. Don't be oblivious. Be alert, be mindful. What does my, my physical environment look like? You do this in all of your life. When we first started driving, when we first started riding our bicycle and we were just focusing on one skill set, we had to develop the capacity to operate that vehicle and also grow to the place where we could now pay attention to things that were coming our way. That's why many times in training, you will isolate training so that you can master mechanics, walk with me now, so that when you get real time and things are coming your way, you don't have to think about the mechanics because the mechanics have become automatic. Are you with me on this? 
So why do you read your Bible? You don't read your Bible to say that you read your Bible. You read your Bible in isolation to master mechanics so that when things are coming your way, you don't have to go back and go, oh, I remember somebody told me this one time and oh, where was Bible Gateway yet? And I got to do a search. You can stand up and say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And come on, it's in you. You've mastered a mechanic. Your spirit has so come to a place where your soul is coming underneath the leadership of your spirit. And now when things are coming your way, you can move and you can react and you can respond in a different measure of authority. Master the mechanics so that you can watch when things are coming your way. You can see them. It's always the hit that you don't know that is coming that knocks you out. Did you catch what I just said? My goal in this series is to move us, to elevate us to another place of alertness as sons and daughters so that we don't get sucker punched and blindsided by things. Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. No, you knew because you were walking in such communion with God. I'm going to show you here in a minute. You were walking in such communion with God. You knew before the enemy tried to release that assault, you already knew it was coming. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the ultimate son, the ultimate warrior, the ultimate watchman. How many times did he go to the disciples and say, "Uh, you know what? It's going to happen here pretty soon. It's getting closer and closer. My time is about hand. They're going to hand me over. They're going to crucify me. He knew it was coming. Didn't take him off guard. He was not oblivious. He was aware. The word shamar here, it's an offensive word and it's a defensive word. We're going to get into this in the series, but understanding the watchman's spirit, the watchman anointing, it's not just a defensive watching around. There is also an offensive nature, there is an aggressive nature. There is not just a passive, lethargic nature. There is a, I'm not just waiting for things to come to be. By the orders of God, I'm actually now doing reconnaissance. I'm actually popping up when bullets are flying and I'm looking around at what's going on. Are you hearing me this morning? Let's talk a little bit about the context here. Number one, 1A, the context of being a watchman is always sonship and the kingdom. That's the context here. God, the Father, I, mean, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what's going on in the heart of the Father. We don't know about timelines. We don't know when the enemy you know, rallied his coup, but what we do know, it was in the heart of the Father. We knew that it was on the forefront of his mind. God himself just experiencing the rebellion of heaven, Lucifer pulling one third of the angels and, and, and departing from God. And so God takes his son. And just like I was telling Kenya, Kenya, watch out for this. Watch out for this. The other night, I was just this spidey sense was tingling. I came out of King Supers and there was some kid who was offering me something. And I thought, that is so odd. And I said, no, thank you, kept moving. And then I thought, I wonder what my son and daughter know to do when they, so I pulled them aside, sat them at the dinner table. We have coaching and training at dinner every night. And I said, guys, tonight, tonight's lesson is if somebody offers you something that you don't know and you like it and you want it, you never take it. You say, thank you very much. And you get on your way. We have to alert our children. The heart of the father is not just, hey, enjoy the fruit. The heart of the father is there's an enemy that is coming. That's what he told him. See, we don't, we don't get that from the scriptures. 
We just get, oh, he, everything was nice and there was a paradise and he put Adam in the garden. He said, take care of it and, and watch it. No, no, no. Take care of this and fight for it and be on the guard because everything that is good and righteous and pure and perfect and in order, the enemy hates it and he's coming. And that did not invalidate Adam's sonship. Adam didn't go, well, I just need to focus on Jesus and focus on God and everything will go away. No, part of the father's responsibility is to train their children on how to fight battles. And we can love God and we can be intimate with Jesus. And part of our training regiment is to grow in intimacy and to grow in insight. The father does not want you to be taken off guard. Are you with me this morning? Here Adam was ignorant, innocent, bright eyed. God takes him aside. I want you to write this down for your notes. This is very important. Anything worth cultivating is worth protecting. God gives Adam two assignments. He says, cultivate this garden and then protect it. Your marriage, if it's worth cultivating, it's worth protecting. Your children, if they're worth cultivating, they're worth protecting. Your sexuality, your purity, if it's worth cultivating, it's worth protecting. Women, Young women, if it's worth cultivating, it's worth protecting. Guard the garden of your purity. Fight for it. Watch over it. Defend it. Guard it. Whatever it is in your life, the axiom here very simply is, if it's, worth, if it's valuable, it's worth fighting over. Number two, the context of this is your purpose and your destiny. We need to understand that the nature of God is purposeful. We see this here. Everything God does is purposeful. We call this, this is a big word called teleology. All that simply means is that everything that God does has a prescribed end. He's not magooing it. He's not kind of feeling his way out there. No, he knows there at the end of all of this, there is a heavenly city. At the end of all of this, I'm returning you back to the earth. At the end of all of this, we're gonna reign forever and ever and ever. So everything he does is purposeful, moving us to a purposeful end. That's the nature of God. The nature of man very simply is you have an assignment and you have a purpose. Young men, Playing 40 hours of video games a week is not helping you with your purpose. It is not helping you towards your prescribed end. But this is helping me with my hand-eye control. I think that God's purpose for you is greater. My wife and I, she turned 37 yesterday. I was able to take her out and spend some time with her. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to get in her heart again. I just wanted to, I wanted to find her again. I wanted to, I wanted her to, to date her again. And I just asked her some questions, things like, what do you want to accomplish between now and the time you're 40? And in the past 37 years, what would you do differently? And all these kind of questions. And one of the things that we landed on, both of us, was if we had anything to do differently, especially in our college years, we would have treated time differently. We would have fought over our time. When you have twins, 30, 30 minutes is like, a, is like a drop of gold. I'm not joking. The premium on time skyrockets 
as your responsibility increases, you will see how important time is. If it's worth cultivating, it's worth protecting. You have a purpose on this earth and what you learn how to do with your time is critical to the development of who you are to be ready for the assignment that God wants to give you. He always plays us at our level of readiness. Everybody wants to get in the game, but we get winded after going up and down the court one time. If you want to play in the game till the fourth quarter, you've got to run more suicides when everybody else is doing this. I ain't talking about no NBA jams either. I just dated myself for some of y'all. Kicking it old school, Nintendo 1985. <laughs> what, what is your garden? In the next few weeks, next week, I'm gonna talk about uh, tending the garden of your heart. The week after that, I'm gonna talk about tending the garden of your relationships, your family, your church relationships, your marriage. And then we're gonna talk about tending the garden of a city, tending the garden of a nation. God cannot trust you and trust me to fight for the garden of a city or a region if we can't even learn how to tend the garden of our own responses, of our own attitudes, of our, something comes at you and you buckle and your attitude turns sour. He's like, I can't put you in that level of a fight because you will get slaughtered. God's not trying to slaughter us. He's trying to train us to your maximum potential in the kingdom. That's his job as a daddy to do that with sons and daughters. Let me just briefly hit this. You practice the watchman anointing in your life every day. I gave an example here of protecting my son, of driving bicycles, but every single one of you in the unique assignment that you're at, I actually wrote down some names here, certain of you that are businessmen, certain of you that are in the government, military, certain of you that are involved in city transformation, young couples, young families, young professionals, single professionals, uh, those of you who are more wired as evangelists, those of you who are equippers, college students, you are practicing learning how to be alert every day, every day. If you watched the atrocious game that we called the Super Bowl last week, it was atrocious for Broncos fans. It was glorious for the Seahawks fans. The, the, the play that runs over and over in my head is that last play where Peyton's drawn back and he doesn't even, see, he does, has no clue, he is oblivious. But there is a, 320 pound monster that wants to eat his shoulder. I'm serious. And here's Peyton, la la la, and the monster. And the monster has broken through all of his offensive barriers and just with one swat of the arm and the ball goes flying. Watchman anointing is necessary in every arena of life. Every arena, cyber, protection over your finances, over the things that you allow to penetrate into the garden of your mind. I want you to begin, and we'll talk about this next week. I want you to begin viewing your mind as a garden and your heart as a garden and your eyes and your ears and your brain. Those are what we call doorways into your garden. The things that you're listening to right now, 
the things that you, that you meditate on. It might be music, it might be media, it might be just that self-talk. I've got some, sometimes the enemy will try to insert that negative, that condemning, that limiting self-talk into my mind. And if you don't recognize that that's from the enemy, you'll continue to leave that door wide open and he'll just sow those seeds. Go with me to the book of, uh, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, because this takes us to our third context here. The third context is the context of the kingdom and that is we have an enemy, there is danger. And this is always a little delicate because you have people on both sides of the spectrum. You have the naive people. And yes, I'm gonna call you naive if you do not, if you're not willing to face the fact that you have an enemy, you are naive and you will be destroyed. You have an enemy. He does not like you. He hates everything about you. He wants to rob you. He wants to violate you. He wants to steal every good thing from you. He, he, he doesn't want you to get into heaven. And if that's taken care of, he doesn't want you to do anything worthwhile on earth. He wants to slaughter your identity. He wants to put condemnation inside of you. He wants to take you and your children and your grandchildren out and everybody along the way, you have an enemy. Do we have to fear that? Absolutely not. The word for the morning is, we are enemy aware, we are not enemy focused. I am God focused, but part of my focus on God is for him to say, watch out, there's something coming your way. Watch out, the enemy's trying to get an inroad into you. What we need to understand about the watchman anointing, and we'll talk more about this as far as the, the, the not the super, but the, the more f spiritually focused elements of this, but we're gonna really get into the practical elements to understand to understand that many times the things that we call attacks are not offensive assaults. All they are is simply the enemy leveraging and taking advantage of weaknesses, of timing, of wounds in our heart, of walking into situations that look and feel something like happened 20 years ago, but it's not the same. And all the enemy does is go, well, if I just spin this and if I just leverage, you're always late. You're always, you're always uh, negative. You're always uh, entertaining these thoughts. You, you, you've got a bitter root. This is perfect. You've got a bitter root. I'm gonna make a church split. He just leverages it. He just takes advantage of it. Many times what we think is an attack of the enemy, it's not an attack of the enemy. There, most times there's more of a measure of responsibility that we have. 80-20, 80-20, seriously. 80-20 us, 20% the enemy. If you know what you're doing, if you're a master at what you're doing, you don't need, you, all you have to do is just, just do a little bit of tinkering and a little bit of, tailoring and all of a sudden you've taken all that negative energy and that negative movement and you've really made a bad situation for somebody. You've exploited them. Are you with me? Did I tell you to go to Matthew 13? I gotta, I gotta hustle here. Matthew chapter 13. And we're gonna look right here at verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, 
while everyone was taking a break, while they were oblivious, while they got off of their watch post. I'm sure you've seen movies, especially in the old days where they would station guys up on the watchtower. They're keeping look. This is not some old warfare technique. It is a principle of life and battle. If you watched Lone Survivor, these four guys, when two guys were sleeping, two guys were awake, they were keeping watch. Why must we keep watch? Why would Jesus say, watch and pray? Why would he say in 1 Peter 5 eight, the enemy is roaming about like a roaring lion, therefore be sober, be vigilant, and be watchful. Why would he say that? Because we have an enemy. We don't have to be enemy focused, but we must be enemy aware. We must be God focused and God will alert us defensively and offensively when things of the enemy come towards us or when there are things inside of us that make us vulnerable to the enemy. God wants to hem you up. He wants to train you and grow you so that you're not a sitting duck with the enemy. That's what he wants to do. That's one of our assignments on this house. One of our assignments is to help ready you so that when it comes to the battle of everyday life, you can stand and you can see what's coming your way. Listen, the more you are prepared, the slower things come at you. You don't know how to fight. Somebody knows how to fight. You're gonna get jacked up because you, you have no idea. Your, your senses have not been trained to know what to expect coming at you. Y'all coming to Antioch, y'all signed up for some training. It's true. Because of the mission to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. Genesis chapter three, one scripture says, the serpent, Genesis chapter three, verse one, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He was more crafty. So in these two verses, we see some very important things. Number one, he comes at night. He comes at times that are unexpected. He's what, he is watching for when we're not prepared. Number two, he's crafty. He's wise. I'm not gonna give him more credit than he's due, but I need, we, need, we need to understand. Yeah, Jesus removed his authority, but he still has power. And he is smarter and he is more cunning than you will ever, ever be able to pin on him. If you think that you got a one up on the enemy, you have already put yourself in a bad situation. He will take you out. If you're not walking in the supernatural readiness and alertness and the wisdom, why do we have gifts of revelation? Why do we have spirits of discernment inside of us? Because God is arming us with tools to fight a battle that is at hand. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of the prophetic, all of the authority that God has given to us, those aren't things that make us feel better about our low self-esteem in a church setting. They are to arm us to be victorious to bring God's kingdom into the earth. Are you hearing me this morning? He's crafty. I wrote this thought down as I was meditating on this. We have no hope against our enemy without God. If you and I are, and here's the thing, and here's how you know, if we're waking up in the morning and we're not putting our armor on, 
there is something inside of us that's either assuming the enemy is not there, assuming that he doesn't wanna take us out or assuming that we can handle him. If we are not in the place, and here's the thing, in the place of intimate communion with God, if we are not coming to life, waking up every day with a spirit of readiness, not enemy focused, enemy aware, if we're not waking up every day, we are totally underestimating our enemy or overestimating ourselves. He is looking for people that are sleeping. He feeds off those that are oblivious. Let me, let me just close here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2, 11. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna blast through these thoughts so that I can keep moving the series forward next week. But th- this is a very, from a understanding concept, from an awakening concept, I, I need to take five minutes here and take 2 Corinthians 2, 11 and walk you through this very quickly. Not only do we have an enemy but God's command to us is do not be taken advantage of. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, I'm gonna read this out a number of different translations. The NIV says, in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes. The ESV says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. I like this, the Bible in basic English says, so that Satan may not get the better of us. The NASB says, so that the enemy may have no advantage over us. The NLT says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. And the New English translation says, so that we may not be exploited by the enemy. Why would God speak to us about not being taken advantage of, not being exploited, not being outsmarted, not being, why would he say that to us if the possibility of us being taken advantage of and exploited and outwitted and outsmarted did not exist. It totally exists. The context here in 2 Corinthians 2 very simply is that of forgiveness and relational reconciliation that we'll get into next week. But the overarching kingdom principle is where you are not alert, you will get taken advantage of. That's, that, that has got to just drill down onto a deep core level. Not fear, alertness. Be alert, be sober, be vigilant, be ready. Know the context that you're living in or you'll be outsmarted and you'll be taken advantage of. Let's look at some words very quickly. The word ignorant. The word ignorant is a word called agnao. Sound familiar? It's where we get the word agnostic. Agnostic doesn't mean to not be a believer. It means to not understand. It means to have no knowledge of. It means to be ignorant Essentially, what the scripture is saying here is that when we are ignorant and we have no understanding of our context, of our enemy, of his plans, then we will be taken advantage of. You ever been taken advantage of? You ever gone to a car salesman? You ever gone to a car repair person and have absolutely no idea what you're dealing with? They're like, oh boy, this is gonna be fun. Oh yeah, that little part right there is gonna cost you about $2,000, sir. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Where we are ignorant, we are taken advantage of. The next word here, so that we will not be taken advantage of by the enemy's schemes. The word schemes there is a word noema. That word means thoughts. It means the enemy's plans. Here's Here's a good statement for you. 
the plans and the devices and the schemes of the enemy are born in the thoughts of your mind. The enemy's not like Magneto. He's not like lifting things up and just throwing them your way. No, he works in the battlefield of your mind. Can you believe the way that person looked at you? They weren't even looking at you. They didn't see you. And if you didn't have such a need to be seen, you wouldn't have got so offended when you thought they weren't looking at you when you were looking at them and they happened not to see you. We'll talk about that when we get to inner healing and deliverance. That's what he does. He just inserts. Listen, every situation is neutral. You must understand this. Every situation is neutral. Say neutral. The enemy just offers his interpretation. It's all he does. And if he can offer you victimized interpretations, you will remain in the stronghold of victimization and go, oh, this always happens to me because, why? Because the enemy says, this always happens to me. The enemy speaks to you in first person. Listen to me. He doesn't go, this always happens to you because then you would know it's him. He goes, he goes, this always happens to me. This always happens to me. I'm telling you, this is how the enemy works. Let's go back and put this together. Do not be unaware or without understanding or without insight of the way the enemy thinks or the way that he leverages your thoughts. Here's the next word, the word outwitted, very important word, pleonecteo. It means to have the greater portion. It means to have the greater portion. So when a young man finds a young girl who hasn't had attention from her father, you know what that young man sees? I can get a greater portion, y'all. When a young man sees a young woman who's not confident, nobody's ever told me I'm beautiful before. He says, I've got some noema, some thoughts and some plans because you're so ignorant and unaware. And so I've got a pleo nicteo. I'm gonna take advantage of your ignorance and I'm gonna get the greater portion. If you're not skilled in dealing with your finances, the enemy will get the greater portion. If you've not mastered how to communicate with your wife, the enemy will get the greater portion. And you can blame it on your anger and you can blame it on your daddy, but the enemy will get the greater portion. Are you hearing me this morning? He wants to get the greater portion. Here's another word. It means to be superior. It means to excel. It means to surpass. It means to overreach. It means to get the gain on you. You ever felt like that before? God is wanting to alert us to another place of productivity and fruitfulness in the earth. At that, we should all just sit up just a little bit. We should just sit up just a little bit stronger and know God is, God is calling us to attention. Sons and daughters, pay attention. Sons and daughters, the enemy wants to get the greater portion over you. Do I have to be afraid? Absolutely not. I'm not afraid. I have a healthy measure of respect, but I've got a greater fear of God. And so where do we go from here? This is a call to greater intimacy with Jesus. This is a call to greater sonship. Do you know that orphans cannot fight the enemy? 
can't do it. All the techniques that the orphan uses to fight the enemy only tighten up the grip the enemy has on their life. I, I am becoming more and more convinced that one of the greatest areas that the enemy exploits is the orphan heart. The love of the Father heals our need for attention, heals our need for approval, heals our need to be wanted. The love of the Father, when those things are sealed up inside of me, the enemy looks, he says, well, if I do this, you'll get more attention. Nope, Christy and I were talking about that last night. So many things we did as young people to get attention from other people. They put us in compromising situations. They cause us to compromise our own convictions. The enemy will exploit the orphan heart, but the love of the father, that's why scripture says, what casts out all fear? Perfect love. And if that perfect love can get inside of you and it starts pushing that fear out, Jesus said it like this, the enemy is looking for a place in me, but he ain't got no place in me because I'm a son and I ain't got to prove anything to him and I don't have to do anything out of time and I don't have to feel rushed and I'm not anxious and I'm not doing anything necessarily to come against him. I'm doing everything for the glory of my father. When you fight, think less about you beating the enemy and think more about you glorifying your king. Think more about you being obedient to the voice and the assignment of your father in heaven. And in so doing, guess what'll happen naturally? You'll defeat the enemy. Stand to your feet this morning.